For this Ash Wednesday observed, our Old Testament reading is from the prophet Joel chapter 2. A lot of things that went on in the Old Testament, uh, the, the people of God began to just do lip service or went through the motions of worshiping God. They outwardly worshiped God, but not inwardly had the reality of being God's people. And so Joel here, the prophet, is reminding them that it is about their heart, not about their outward motions. So uh, one thing he says here at the beginning, rend your hearts, not your garments. Main, don't show your repentance, actually be repentant of your sin. Even Yet, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading is from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthian church. Uh, beginning in chapter 5 and going into chapter 6, St. Paul is reminding the Corinthians and he's reminding us that uh, as we go through this life of difficulty, we should never lose sight that we have been saved by Christ and each and every day is the right time for repentance and the right time for salvation. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled for, to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true. 
as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Please rise as we hear from the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. To go along with the theme of our Lenten midweek worship, which was supposed to be Wednesday and we'll be continuing these midweeks, we are talking about witnesses to Christ. And today we talk about John the Baptist as he witnessed Christ. And here is uh, some of his story. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water and uh, with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're looking for a lucrative business opportunity, one that has been booming growth for many years, especially recently, and there appears to be endless future prospects, I would like to point you in the direction of laser tattoo removal. The popularity of tattoos has exploded in recent years, and guess what? So has a thing called tattoo regret. People who get tattoos that they no longer want to have, and that number is growing at least by 10% per year. It's become a multi-million dollar, almost billion dollar a year industry globally, and it doesn't appear to be slowing down. You know, people get tattoos before they think about them, and then a few years later, maybe that girlfriend they once had is no longer with them, or that band they really love to follow is no longer one they care about, and they want to get rid of these marks that are there seemingly permanently. Here's the kicker. It costs a lot of money. It costs between two to $400 per session, and up to 10 sessions are necessary to remove the tattoo. This could be a very lucrative or expensive prospect, depending on what side of the laser you're on. But the point is, people are willing to spend a lot of money to get rid of the marks 
that they no longer want to have those marks that permanently have marked them as something in their past that is no longer who they are today. Imagine that you have marks on your body, not from tattoos that you've chosen, but from actions, words, and thoughts that you've had. Imagine the words that you've said to somebody that you regret were tattooed across your forehead. Or that thing you did to somebody long ago that you wished you had never done is tattooed across your arm. Or even worse, those thoughts that you have that you hope no one ever notices tattooed on your body for everyone to see. Every angry outburst, every lie, every moment of jealousy or selfishness or greed marked. Every time you disappointed somebody who trusted you, every time you let someone down, every failed relationship, every pain, every trauma etched on your body for all to see and to take in. You can imagine if somebody is willing to spend literally thousands of dollars to remove a mark they chose to have on their body, how much more would we spend to have the lies, the lusts, the hatred removed from the full display to the world? This week we start our Lenten journey. And for our midweek services, we're going to be doing a series called Witnesses to Christ. People who saw Christ and witnessed him and continued to tell about him. Today we talk about John the Baptist, who we just got done talking about in the season of Advent. And so you're familiar with him. He baptized Jesus as his name, uh, as his namesake tells us he does. But he died before Christ was crucified. But John knew exactly who this Christ was. John the Baptist wants us to focus on Christ, not himself. And this is why in our gospel reading from John, these are two different guys, by the way, the gospel writer John and John the Baptist, two different people. John the Baptist says, as Christ comes to him, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We don't hear that word, behold, very often, but it's used quite a bit in Scripture. And it's used as its own sentence, as its own exclamation. It basically is a way to tell people, this is the thing I want you to pay attention to. And so if you're reading in scripture and someone says, behold, or even lo, it means look at this. Pay attention to this. And that's what John is saying. Behold, look, see, here is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. And by those words, John is actually saying quite a bit. That word lamb has a deep, significant meaning. When we hear lamb, we probably think of the Passover lamb. That back in the time of the Exodus, as the people of Israel were in slavery to Egypt, 
They sacrificed a lamb and placed the lamb's blood over the doorpost. And as death itself went through the land of Egypt, wherever it came upon the blood of the lamb, death passed over those homes and the people inside were spared. And John saying, Behold the Lamb of God is recounting our minds to the salvation provided for the Israelites and the salvation provided for me and you. As the lamb enters our life, death passes over us and has no power on us. And that sacrifice, that blood, washes the sin away, washes the marks of sin away. If you truly think about it, sin can basically affect us in two separate ways. Sin can affect us by guilt, where we've done something wrong, we've said something or thought something we knew we shouldn't, and it bothers us that we did that thing. And Christ comes and forgives us of that sin by taking on that punishment of our guilt and washing those marks away as he dies on the cross. But the other way that sin can bring us bring us into death is by shame. Shame is when somebody has sinned against us and has brought us pain and trauma and abuse. But the guilt and the shame make us feel the same way. It makes us feel like we're defined by it. it makes us feel like that is who I am. And even though we don't wear the tattoos of our sin or our shame on ourselves and our physical person, we sometimes act that way. That what has been done to me and what I have done, well, that is who I am. And I am marked that way from here and into eternity. But if we listen to John the Baptist, the witness to Christ, if we listen to him... And he tells us, behold, look at, see, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He comes to take away those marks. He comes to wash them clean from us. He comes so that we have a new identity, not the identity of the sin we've committed, and that's who I am, or the sin that's been committed against me, and that's who I am, but that I am the beloved child of God who has been washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. And here's the thing, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you may not wear the tattoos of your sin on yourself, but God knows they're there. But he loves you so much that he sent his son to erase them from even his view, to erase them from, uh, from ourselves so that it is no longer us who has been made sin, but it is Christ who has been made sin who knew no sin. And his blood purifies us and washes us away. Washes our sins away. Those marks away. And unlike tattoo removal that costs thousands and thousands of dollars, this is provided to us free of charge. But it was expensive. It costs the blood, the life of the Son of God. But he gives it gladly to make us his people. 
so that when our sins still come back to haunt us late at night and we think about those statements we've made and we think about the words that come out of our mouth and the actions we've taken and we feel shame or guilt by them, we know that we are forgiven by Christ. That is who we are. And so we may confess to him the things we've done wrong. We lament the pain, but we release it also. Because we know that we have been made new in Christ. New in the blood of the Lamb. And so we listen to John the Baptist and we behold, we look, we see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of me, of you, and of the whole world by his death and his resurrection. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen.